Pat. Right. Wasn't that a lovely time of worship? I really felt the Lord there. This is the subject this morning on the screen. It's um, learning to listen. Learning to listen. And I'm talking really about, I mean, whilst it's good to listen to your wife, I'm talking mainly about listening to God. Learning to listen to God. And I just want to say this before we start, and I hope you believe this, that God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your life. A lot of people don't think God has much of a plan. But I want to tell you this and promise you this in the name of Jesus, that if you will seek to listen to God and obey him, even if you've messed up big time, even if life has become a disaster, even if you're knocking on 65, 75, 85. I mean, my daughter, just to say this, she's going to be five on, this is Daniela, she's going to be five on Wednesday, and she talks about it every five minutes. But I don't, I don't care if you're five or 85. If you listen to God and surrender to him, he can absolutely fill your life. Even if you've missed his original plan, God is the God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances, sixth chances, seventh chances, eighth chances. He can restore to you the years the locusts have devoured. This is God Almighty we're speaking of. He's not some little pocket idol. He's God Almighty. He can really fill your life, even in the latter years, if things have really gone wrong. I just want to promise you in the name of Jesus, if you want a life that's fulfilled, with satisfaction in your heart, peace and joy, with suffering, <laughs> didn't say there'd be no suffering, with suffering, with persecution, I want to promise you in the name of Jesus, God's plan is the best plan for your life. His is the best plan. And what I want to talk to you this morning is listening to God, because we I don't know if you've noticed in the songs today, such truth was coming out about God's faithfulness, about him working in the waiting, about him turning what the devil does for good. You've got to believe we've got God Almighty on our side. And the worst thing you can do is ignore what he says. So, two of life's greatest lessons first one is learning to listen to God. If you don't learn to listen to God, how will you know what to do with your life? Yes, there is a place for just coasting along, doing the next thing. But there are times when the Lord would have us seek him to know what to do with our lives, how to live. If you don't seek him, how will you know? And then the other thing that you have to link in with this, and I'm glad um, Chris prayed about this, because this is really what, part of what I want to say today. Part of listening to God is recognizing that his timing is perfect. God's timing is perfect. We don't like his timing, let's be honest. We wish he'd hurry up. We may have selfish reasons. We may have what seem very valid reasons. Why doesn't God do it now? We want it now. We get frantic. We listen to somebody else instead of God. 
and we run ahead of God. Now, I'm speaking from experience, my friends, because I've made big mistakes in my life, but God has worked wondrously, wondrously, when I came to him, despite those things. And people do run ahead of God. They start to panic and worry. I just want to read a couple of scriptures on the screen there. Two are from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, well-known verses. The first one says, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. And then it says in verse 11 of chapter 3, He has made everything beautiful in his time. That's in the King James Version, in his time. And this verse the Lord has given to me many times in my life, even last week. This is the verse. In Isaiah 30, verse 18, I think it was talking to the people of Israel who were going through exile and suffering and problems. God says this, Therefore, the Lord will wait, that he may be gracious to you. And therefore, he will be exalted, that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. It doesn't say you're an idiot for waiting for him. It says you're blessed. Waiting on God. Okay, let's... I don't know if you can see these pictures. <laughs> this, these are three pictures on here. It says, why does God delay? You know, I'm sure you've had times in your life when you're, wait, you're waiting for something... And I love that song we sang, God is working in the waiting. And God does get glory, may I say, as Tim prayed, when you are going through stuff. And you don't notice it. Others do. I'm not particularly going through anything at the moment. I was walking along this morning and Gemma said to me, Simon, why are you so happy? This is church. Come on. <laughs> um, but sometimes you, you can be glorifying God without realising it. You know when they stoned Stephen, his face shone like an angel. He wasn't aware of that. Why does God delay? Well, um, I was in the prayer meeting uh, two weeks ago, and a few of you guys have heard this, but God gave me a picture of a, a rosebud. <laughs> I'm not really into flowers, but the thing about a rosebud is you have to wait for it to flower. If you try and open it with your hands, it falls apart. And sometimes in our life, when things are not working out, you think, you can't understand, how's God going to do this? You, you, you think you've got to do it yourself. And it's like getting a rosebud and trying to open it. But you've got to wait. Because the rosebud will fall apart if you play with it. The other picture up there um, is that, I can't really see that, but that is a giant potato. That picture is the biggest potato in the world. That is a Guinness Book of Records potato, right? And um, the other thing the Lord gave me in the prayer meeting was this. If you plant a potato, and then you keep digging it up every day to check how it's growing, or every week, you keep going back, dig it up, dig it up, dig it up, what's going to happen to the potato? It's not going to grow, is it? You've got to wait. And sometimes God makes us wait. There are many reasons why he makes us wait. Here are just some. I, I haven't put them on the screen. Sometimes it's to cause the energy of our flesh and pride to just die off. You know, um, our self-assertiveness, 
our pride can get put into the dust, the best way of that happening is just by being made to wait. I think of when the people of Israel were at the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army was coming and there was an ocean in front of them and nothing was happening and there was an army behind and there was a mountain there and a mountain over there and a lee of land over there and they were like, help! One thing that will make you cry out to God and stop being proud is the fact that someone's got to wait for something. Another reason why God might make you wait is um, because he might be refining you. You know, this is a funny story. Um, you've all heard the story of the guy who fancies the girl at school and um, he, he, he wants to go out with her and she doesn't, she's not interested. And then he meets her years later and she's turned into re- a really ugly woman. And she looks like the back of a bus and she's, she, and she's really, and she's really, <laughs> sorry, and she's really not very nice and you know, he says, oh, thank you, Lord, that you withheld that from me. And Sometimes, you know, God, wait, mate, you actually, by, by waiting, it refines your desire. And you come along, and a few years later, you think, actually, I'm glad I didn't get that. My desire has been changed. And there are other reasons why God makes you wait. I can't remember them all now, but <laughs> the point is, he does. And there's another picture up there, and that's of a wine cellar. And all you, you all know, don't you, that wine, if it's left in the cellar longer, it tastes better. And sometimes, that's what the Lord showed me, that... God sometimes leaves the best wine till last. You know, like in the um, <laughs> great wine drinker, Tim, over there. Um, like, but you know, like in the story of the um, Jesus at the wedding, yeah? They all said, didn't, you know, when Jesus created the wine, they all said, most people give the good wine first and then, you know, the dodgy stuff later when everyone's drunk and doesn't notice. But you've left the really best wine till now. And that's what God does with us. Sometimes he'll make you wait for an answer a situation in order to give you the best. Um, and this is how he works. But oftentimes, we, we don't want to wait, we don't like it, we get fed up, we get stressed, we listen to other people, we listen to what our friends say, and we rush ahead. And there's always a penalty for rushing ahead. But sometimes God is aiming at something we don't see. And um, I went recently with my family well, it was quite a while ago, actually, but we went to a National Trust place, do you remember this, Karina, where there was archery. And our children got the bows and arrows, and of course, Daniela, like, she just wants to fire the arrow, so she goes, plop, and it plops in the grass. So, fire, plop, it plops in the grass. And I said to her, you know, hang on. <laughs> You've got to aim it at the target. So, you know, wait, 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 pull back, pull back, you know. And then if you wait long enough, you fire the arrow, it might actually hit the target. And sometimes God is aiming for something that we don't really notice or know about. By making you wait, you're like the arrow. We had a prophecy about Pat being an arrow last week. Anyway, um, the arrow, and you're saying, I want to be released now. I want to do this now. I want God to do this now. I think of John and Ruth's house, if you don't mind me bringing you up. John and Ruth are trying to buy a house at the moment. And they probably get a bit fed up waiting. But God is aiming for something we can't always see. So those are just some of the reasons why um, he makes us wait. Okay, let's move on. Now, I've put a couple more pictures on there which I want to share with you. The first one is that, that is of a boy. He's a, it's not a very clear picture, but he's actually sliding down a mud slope. 
I don't know if your boys ever do this, Alice. Probably every day. <laughs> they, he's sliding down a mud slope. He's obviously having... Yeah, it looks a bit like Toby, doesn't it? Now, I asked someone to pray for me a few weeks ago. Well, actually, they offered to pray for me. Someone, not, not in this church, someone... I won't name who. They prayed for me. And, 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 and I said, I, you know, I said, oh, can you pray for me? I, I'm, you know, I'm trying to seek the Lord about things. She said, I will. And I thought, you know what people say, I'll pray for you. And Yeah, really, you won't really. But she actually did. She prayed for a couple of weeks. And she gave me this picture. And I don't mind sharing it with you. She said, Simon, you're like a boy sliding down a mud slope. All right, I'll explain what I'm doing. And you're sometimes trying to grab branches to stop yourself going down the slope. In other words, you're trying to um, solve it yourself. Can I say to you, do you ever feel that in a situation, you might feel like you've gone into free fall? You might feel you're sliding down in the mud and you think, I've got to grab that branch because if I don't grab that branch, it won't be any more. I've got to um, save myself. And this woman prayed for me. She said, I just had this picture. She said, I don't know how that relevant it is, but in this picture, she said, just trust God and trust him. Don't try and reach out for branches. Now, you might be going through a situation. It might, I don't know what it could be. But in that situation, you feel like you've got to reach out and, 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 and do it yourself. You've got to grab the branch, grab the rock on the way down. Whereas God says, just trust me, I will work. Trust me, I will work. Um, and you let him go down. Now, sometimes people don't believe that God will work. But let me just read you a promise. Because we know God will work. He's promised to. Whatever your thing you face. Just listen to this. Isaiah 64, verse 4. It says, Since ancient times, no one has heard nor ear has perceived. No eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You know, God's going to act on your behalf. And I really loved Steve's prayer. It's not finished until God says so. So if you're looking for someone in your family to be saved, you're looking for a healing, you're, unless the God has said it's finished, you, I want you to hang in there but trust him. Don't feel you've got to rush off and solve it all yourself. You know, sometimes when things go a bit wonky, you feel you've got to step in and sort it out. And there are times for that. But I think of King Saul. And King Saul in the Bible was told to wait seven days for Prophet Samuel to turn up. And he was told, you're not allowed to offer any sacrifices. You wait for the prophet. And he waited day one. He waited day two, day three day four, day five, day six, day seven. It got to the end of day seven. He was thinking, well, Samuel's not bothering to come. I better do it myself. So he went and did an offering. And as he was offering it, Samuel turned up. Should have waited for God's timing. Sometimes we, we feel we've got to stick our nose in and sort it out. Whereas the Lord said to me, stop grabbing branches. Just trust me. And I think of um, the Ark of the Covenant on the cart I don't know if you know the story of the Ark of the Covenant. It was a box that God ordained and it was on. They put it, foolishly, they shouldn't have done it. They, they put it on top of a cart with some oxen and it was going along and the oxen started to stumble and there was a man who thought he could just 
sort it out himself and he put his hand up to touch the ark to stop it falling over and God struck him down I'm not saying God will do that to you but here's another picture um, looks a little bit like Karina um, <laughs> but there's a reason why I put that on there this person <laughs> is sitting in the passenger seat of the car not the driver's seat this is actually this is a genuine story. I hope Karina won't mind me saying. Um, but sometimes, because um, I'm not a very good driver, um, I mean, even when Tim comes in the car with me, he's always looking over his shoulder, trying to see if there's a car going to hit us. I don't know why. But anyway, when I'm driving the car, uh, since we've had children, Karina has always been a lot more on edge. Every time I brake or don't brake, she's like... <laughs> But what she does sometimes, it really winds me up, is I'll be driving and she'll lean over and try and grab the steering wheel. Now, she's never actually done it. She's done it, she's gone to do it. She's gone to lean over, grab the steering wheel. And I'll say to her, don't do that. If you do that, we'll go right off the road. <laughs> but, you know, even worse. But, you know, we do that with God sometimes. We think, I can't see how God can do anything here. I've got to go into, you know, I've got to be a Mr. Fix-It, work, work at it. It's a bit like leaning over and trying to grab the steering wheel. It's just not a good idea. You need to wait and pray. Seek God's face. So, I hope this is helping you a little bit. <laughs> um, now, I'm going to look at one example in the Bible. Good old Abraham, because he got it wrong. Abraham was God's great choice, you know. But he made mistakes. And we're going to read about one of those mistakes here. He rushed ahead of God, didn't wait God's timing, didn't really listen. He listened to Sarah, his wife, um, and on this occasion she was wrong. Now it says, now chapter 16 of Genesis, just to give you a bit of background, Abraham had been promised a son who was going to be Isaac, and he had been promised lots of children, as many as the stars in the sky. God had said, you're going to have so many people, you know, so many descendants. But Abraham got to the age of 100, and still there was no baby. And he'd made a mistake. He'd gone down into Egypt, and he'd picked up an Egyptian slave girl. He had no business to pick up an Egyptian slave girl. That wasn't God's will. But he picked up an Egyptian slave girl, brought her back. And the wife had the bright idea, well, why don't you sleep with her, get the child... You know, obviously I'm not going to have a baby. Maybe God means through her. It's a good idea. Sounds great. Good solution. Let's do it. And then this is what happens. Let me just read it. Now Sarai, that was her first name before she became known as Sarah. Sarai, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abraham, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed with Sarah's, Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, gave her to Abraham as a wife. This happened ten years after Abraham had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abraham had sexual relations with Hagar. She became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abraham... This is all your fault. <laughs> Whose idea was it? It was hers. This is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms. But now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. 
the Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. And things got messy. Now, Sarah got her own way, but they paid for it with strife, conflict, struggle. And when you run ahead of God, there's often, there's often a penalty. This was an act of disobedience. Uh, it was an act of, how can God do it? I can't see how he can do it. Um, and it was also Abraham listening to other voices. It led to disharmony with God in the family. It led to them being out of the will of God. And this is a great guy in the Bible. <laughs> so, you know, it hasn't worked out the way you thought. Um, so you decide to do it yourself, and in a way, once you do that, you're on your own. Um, I don't know if it, whether you ever get tempted in this way. It could be, for instance, uh, you, you want something like a particular position or a job. You think about it, you, 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 but you know there's something not right. But you think to yourself, that's the only chance I'm going to get. I'm going to miss the boat. I'm going to miss the last bus. You know, if I don't act now, I'm getting old. <laughs> I need to do it now. But you don't know what God can do. You don't know what God is capable of. He can give you better if you just wait his timing. Um, it could be to do with marriage. And I know there are, sorry, there are some people here not yet married, some who've been married donkey's years. But, you know, you get to age 20, 21, 25, 27, 30, oh, well, I better find someone quick. And you just, I've known people, I mean, I did this before I met Karina. You, know, you just rush ahead. And if you just wait for God's best, that's what I'm really trying to say. Wait for God's best. And that's what happened with this, these people. Um, let's just move on. Ask a question now. Why people run ahead of God? We can do it in church leadership, even. You know, we can go and start lots of church programs and actually, has God actually said that? <laughs> or did you just read it in a book, you know? But it's, so, I think it's a very important issue. I'm all for taking risks. I really believe we should stick our necks out. But you have to do it under a sense of the peace of God, a sense of God's leading. You don't just do it to look good. Because, you know, and I'm also equally, I'm, I'm against just sitting there never doing anything. Listening to God. Now, here are some reasons why people run ahead of God. I've just got five. The first one is a life spent in the courtroom. You say, what, are you, what do you mean? Well, what I mean is, people, some people, they spend their whole life um, on trial. Like, like you're on trial in a court. You've got to prove yourself. I've got to prove myself to the prosecution. Now, who is the prosecution? It could be other people in the church. They're just watching you. It could, Tim could be tempted like this. I'm sure he's not. But, you know, he could say, I've got to prove myself. I'm the new pastor. I've got to prove myself. I'm on trial. I'm in the courtroom. They're watching. Come on, Tim, do your stuff. Pull the white rabbit out of the hat, you know. And he's got to hit, listen to what God is saying. And some people live, on, li, live in the courtroom in this sense. They're on trial all the time, but not by other people. But what, what do I think of myself? 
I feel a failure. I need to prove to myself that I am not a failure. And you become the prosecution to yourself. And some people, they, when they achieve a lot, they plant churches and do things, um, they still live in the courtroom because in the courtroom they then become the defence. Say, congratulations, you've accomplished a lot. Well done, look at you. Aren't you such a star, what you've achieved? And really, I mean, this is what's happened to me, and I don't know, I hope this helps some of you. Do you live your life on trial each day? Or have you realised a fundamental truth? And this is the fundamental truth. Look at that picture of the courtroom. How many people can you see in that room? There's none. Courtroom's empty. Case is closed. Court's adjourned. They've all gone home for lunch. There is no court case anymore. The trial's over. You've been declared perfect in Jesus Christ. You've been declared accepted in Jesus Christ. The only person you need to worry about what, what they think of you is God. And I'll tell you what God thinks of you, and I'm telling you the truth in Jesus' name. When Jesus stood at the River Jordan, God said to him, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. That's what God says to you in Christ. You don't have to prove yourself to anybody. You don't have to prove yourself to yourself. So you don't need to rush ahead and do stuff just to prove to people or to yourself that you're good and work valuable because God has declared you valuable. The courtroom is now empty. The judge has gone home for his lunch. It's all finished. It's all over. Jesus did pay the price and God says, you're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, why do you then serve in the church? You serve in the church because you've been accepted and just out of gratefulness. I've taken years to learn this. You're accepted and you just serve because you're grateful. You don't have to prove anything. There's nobody in the court. We spend all our life in that courtroom. There's nobody there watching. It's stupid. This is what Paul writes. Because Paul had to learn this. And he achieved a lot. Paul writes in two Corinthians, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. He says, I don't care if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear. That does not make me innocent, but it is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, as judge nothing before the appointed time, wait till the Lord comes. The point is, <laughs> you've been declared innocent in Christ but people think they're not so they rush ahead of God and do things to prove themselves right the second one is impatient oh sorry impatience some people are just just impatient you know they say I can't wait well I'm going to say you can wait you can wait you just don't want to people say I can't I haven't got time to wait on God I'm too busy well I would say you have got time to wait on God. Um, people rush off and make their own foolish, unwise choices. And they don't care what the future price is, as long as they can get it now. I know I've done this. You, 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 you know, you, you want it now, it doesn't matter what the future price is. Next one, fear of the future. You know, some people get fearful because they think, like I said, if I don't do this now, it's my last chance. In Italy, where I used to live, there was a phrase, it's called the 
if you know in Italian, it's called l'ultima spiaggia. It means the last beach, the last beach before the ocean. And people used to say they would be single until they're like 40, then they'd find a woman who wasn't really God's choice, and they'd just marry them. Because, oh, yeah, l'ultima spiaggia, it's my, last, it's my last chance before I hit the ocean. You know, it's a, it's a way of saying, I'm going to miss out. Can I just say to you this, that if you obey God, you will never miss out. If you obey God, you will never miss out. Some people worry about their age, you know. I mean, I'm getting on now. Even Tim's getting on. You know, some people worry about their age and think, you know, I'm getting old. I better, uh, uh, uh. But actually, what's God saying? I mean, think about Abraham. He was 100. Okay, not many of you might get that far. But Moses was 80 when God called him. Naomi, in the Bible, Naomi, she, um, what does it say about Naomi? It says this. I mean, she was an old lady. End of the book of Ruth. Some people said to Naomi, God will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. And she ended up nursing a grandson who became, I think, the great-grandfather of King David. Wow. Age is not an issue. God's will is the issue. Last one, uh, sorry, fourth one is unbelief. People just don't believe God has a plan. They say, God hasn't got a plan for my life. But as I said, he has got a plan. It says in Isaiah 64, he acts on behalf of those who wait for him. And the last one, five, listening to other people instead of God, which is what Abraham did. Listen to other people's opinions. You know, it's very dangerous to purely listen to people. God can speak through people. God can speak through the preacher. God can speak through Christians, that's fine. But you always have to say, what is God saying? Um, do you remember the story in the Old Testament of King, uh, sorry, it wasn't a king, Joshua. Joshua, the leader of Israel. They went into the promised land. They were defeating cities. And then there was a group of people called the Gibeonites who were a bit, they, they, they were a bit sneaky. So what they did was, they dressed up in old clothes, they put on old shoes, they got old food, mouldy bread, and they went to Joshua, and they actually only lived around the corner, but they went to Joshua and said, we're from a far off country, don't kill us. Look at our shoes, they're old, look at our mouldy bread, you know, make a treaty with us, let us live, we're, we're not neighbours, we're from a far off. And do you know what it says? What Joshua did wrong? It says, the men of Israel sampled their provisions but did not inquire of the Lord. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live and ratified it by an oath. And after that they found out these guys have tricked us. What is God saying? There's another story in the Old Testament of a prophet who went and did amazing things and then as he was going home, God had said to him, don't stop in this land, don't stop and have any food here. And an old guy turned up, do you know the story? An old guy turned up and said to him, I'm a prophet too. God's told me, come on, you can come back and have lunch at my house. He didn't inquire of the Lord, he just said, okay then. Went back, had lunch and <coughs> he got eaten by a lion. <laughs> so obey God or you get eaten by lions okay right <laughs> let's move on consequences of disobeying his voice now if you disobey the spirit because he can speak 
through the Bible. He can speak through people, but he can also speak most, and I want to really focus on this. He can speak in your, down here, if I can point to my gut. A sense of unease. And it's not worry, it's, not, it's beyond that. If you want something, right, here's an example, you really want it, you want something, and you just can't get peace over it. Every time you grip it, you just don't, you, you get a bit uneasy. I suggest you listen to that. I'm not talking about worries up in your head. But you see, God, he can work through disobedience. He can teach you to grow through it. He can bring good out of it. Um, he, can, he doesn't just drop you in the mud. He can teach you to grow. You can learn things from it. You can mature from it. Um, he can bring blessing by a roundabout way. But there are always some consequences if you just go against that spirit in your heart, that voice, very quiet, in your, if you've got the Holy Spirit. And these are the four Ds. I call them the four Ds of disobedience. One is delay. It delays God's plan for your life. God may still work, but it will delay you. So think about the people of Israel. They were going to the promised land. They disobeyed God and they got delayed by 40 years. Um, it, it won't stop God working, but it might delay things. Um, each time we take a leap in the wrong choice, we lose. But God is great. God can work around it. Um, disharmony. Um, you just know, when, you, when you're not in God's will, you just know there's something that isn't quite right. There's a disharmony. Disappointment, defeat. <clears throat> but as I said, God can turn it for our good as long as we surrender to Him and come back and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've messed up, but I'm sorry. Then it's fine. God can start to work. But it, there will be a delay. That's why I put a picture of a fixed penalty notice on, you know. I don't know. Do you ever get those on your car? <laughs> I've had a few. <clears throat> but you do get a penalty. But God can work despite it. Here's a truth for you. And I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to explain. that there, If you just ignore the spirit. I mean, if, you, if, you, if there's something you want and every time you go for it, you get a sense of, there's something not right here. If you just push on, you'll get it, possibly. But there will be consequences. And here's this verse. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And this is a bit of a sad truth, but listen to this. You reap what you sow, you reap more than you sow, and you reap later than you sow. So, 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 so it's better to seek to listen to God and, and follow his purposes. Right. <clears throat> uh, move on. Got just a couple more slides. God's warning lights. Right, that's a traffic light, uh, if you can't see it, uh, on red. <laughs> and there's a verse down there that says, Let the peace of God rule in your heart, to which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. And that word, rule, the actual translation is arbitrate, or be an umpire. Let, let the peace of God in your heart, determine your course of action. 
Because sometimes you can see something and it looks absolutely amazing, but you know, not everything that glitters is gold. And you need to listen to what the Spirit is saying. If you've got peace and you're relaxed about it, go for it. But if there's an alarm bell, I mean, maybe I'm teaching you really basic stuff here, you know all this. But if there's an alarm bell, please listen to it. Do you know, once I had a car out in Italy, it was a Lancia, very nice. And there was a little red warning light that came on once for the oil. Do you know what I did? I ignored it. <laughs> Do you know what happened to my car? All four pistons blew up. I remember being stuck on the motorway. Oh, what a complete wally, eh? <laughs> um, but you, you, if you get the red light, don't ignore it. I'm not saying... It's very, it's very rare this happens, but I know I've been in situations, and even recently, you know, a few weeks ago, I was going to go on a course of action, and I just felt an unease. And Oswald Chambers says this. He says, is there anything in your life that God has caused you to doubt? He says, if there is, just drop it. Just drop it. Doesn't matter what it is. You could have promised something to somebody, but you know if you go through with it, God's there's something not right. Just drop it. Call a halt. And God will honor you and bless you. And he, what God says is this: just obey me, leave all the consequences to me, just obey me. You won't miss out. Um now traffic light, sometimes it's, God says red, sometimes he might give you an amber light, which is weight. Amber is the weight light. It's not a no, it's just weight. And green is, yeah, go for it. <laughs> I like the little traffic lights. Um, so I'll show you these two pictures here. <laughs> now, we've sung about God being faithful, and he is absolutely faithful, and sometimes the Holy Spirit can detect things that you can't see. You know, sometimes you can have a temptation and you don't know it's right or wrong. You think, you don't know if it's right or wrong. But as you wait on God, the Holy Spirit in you can detect if there's danger there or not, if you listen. And that picture there is of a frozen lake with holes in the ice. And I'm going to bring in a war story, Tim, sorry. But here we go. One war story. <laughs> In 1942, Germany was invading Russia. They got to a place called Leningrad, and uh, the Finnish army was also attacking, and the Russians were stuck in the city of Leningrad, and there was no way to get supplies in or out. The only way to get supplies in and out was across a frozen lake. So what the Russians did, they waited till it was dark, and they drove trucks across this ice, getting all the food into the city. The Germans cottoned on to what was going on, so they started shelling the lake. They fired artillery at the lake to make holes in it. And the whole thing was peppered with holes. So when they went through on the night, the Russians would plop, go down a hole and die. So what they did was, they didn't have night vision goggles. The Russians, because they didn't care particularly about their soldiers, they basically said, right, tie a rope round one man, let him walk ahead, and he would walk ahead in the pitch black dark. They weren't allowed to use torches because they'd get machine gunned by the the snipers and things. So they go along in the pitch black dark with a rope tied to them and they would just keep going and going until suddenly they heard a splash. Oh, he's fallen down a hole. They cut the rope, let him drown. Next man up, they send a second man. They tie a rope around him, right, now you go. Imagine doing this on a church weekend. Anyway, <laughs> and he'd be walking across the frozen lake and then after a while you'd hear splash, right, he's gone, cut the rope. And they would lose maybe 10 guys each time they crossed the lake. 
Now, those guys had no way of knowing what was ahead of them. They just had to walk in pitch black. The good thing about the Holy Spirit is you're not left to that kind of peril. He can um, absolutely faithfully guide you through what you might not be aware of as a hidden danger. And the other thing is that is um, that's a picture of an... Uh, that's um, Michael Palin's wife, by the way. But anyway, um, that's... I don't know what she's doing on a cliff, but... There's a door, there's a door there that's open, it's an open door, but it leads straight off a cliff. Now, Christians can sometimes think, if God opens a door, then it must be right. Yeah. Not always. I'm not trying to be, you know, God, God will open doors that no one can open, and he can shut doors that no one can shut. But there are times when a door will open, and you go to it, but you just feel uneasy. I just want to encourage you to listen. Not all the open doors are... I mean, this happened to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul went to preach in a city and the door was open to him. I'll just read it to you. It says this in chapter 2 of 2 Corinthians. Paul went to a city called Troas. He says, I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ. I found the Lord had opened a door for me. You know, it all looked open. But I had no rest in my spirit. Because I did not find Titus, my brother, there. So I said goodbye and went on to Macedonia. Um, you can have doors that can open. And, but you need to just pray, Lord, is this right? And if you get peace, that's fine, go for it. But if you get a dispeace, don't ignore it. You could have gone off a cliff. <laughs> um, do you remember last week, uh, Bernard, when he was here... He spoke about trying to get on a ferry to go up to Brazil. Did you hear, remember that story going up the Amazon? Well, it was actually me that reminded him of that story. I gave him that prompt, you see, so he nicked it off me. But basically it happened to him, because we were talking about it at lunchtime, but it happened to him that he was, uh, he said last week, he, in 1981, um, you can look it up on Google if you like, there was this ferry called the Santos Sorbel 2. It was going up the Amazon with 300 people on it. It sunk at 4 a.m. outside the harbour. And it wasn't the water that killed all the people, it was the crocodiles and the piranhas. Sorry to get gory, but basically they sucked them all under the water and they all died. Because it was only a few metres from the shore. But he felt in his spirit, there was an invite to go and preach, there was a missionary calling him to come and preach. And he was, yeah, open door, but he, he had to listen. And we're glad he did, otherwise he wouldn't have been here last weekend. Okay, last uh, little slide. Getting God's guidance. So you want the Lord to guide you. Well, there's only a few very simple requirements. Very simple. The first one is, if there's any sin that you know about, that you know about, any sin, you have to turn away from it. You can't expect God to guide you if you've got um, a willful sin going on. Because all God will say to you is repent. The next thing is, I love what King David did. He was a king. He, he could have done all so much, but it says he inquired, he, he inquired of the Lord. When he faced a battle, it says he inquired of the Lord. He didn't just rush ahead. And each time, God gave him different instructions. The first time, he was told just to go and attack the Philistines. The second time, he inquired of the Lord, and the Lord said, don't do it this time. Go around the back. Go around. Wait till you hear a sound of moving in the trees. 
And I just want to challenge you. Do, do, we, do we ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want to do with my life? What do you want me to do? Am I, is everything fine? I'll just carry on. Is there anything you want me to do that's fresh? Do we inquire of the Lord? And as I said, God's plan is best. And the last little thing I want to say is a quote by Dr. Charles Stanley, who's a preacher in America. He said this, Surrender your life to Jesus Christ and watch him work. You will be awesomely surprised. You know, the key is, I suppose what I'm trying to say really is, do we listen? Do we obey? Do we wait? Um, God's plan is the best plan for your life. I just want to finish by saying I went through something recently where I had what I felt was a golden opportunity. I might tell Tim about it later. But there was a golden opportunity. And um, I thought, oh, this looks good. But as I pursued it, I just had a loss of peace. It wasn't me being scared. And I just want to encourage you, God will guide you into what is best. Sometimes you've got to wait. (laughs) You know, you've got to just wait. Let him work. It says he will will act on behalf of those who wait for him. Um, My wife also went through something like this, if you don't mind me saying, Karina. She was invited, because my wife is very capable, you know, She was invited to uh, administer a conference in Switzerland, was it? In Holland. She was invited to administer a conference last year in Holland because she used to run conferences. And they wrote to her and said, you know, Karina, we think you're great. You've got the skills. Please, would you mind? And she said, yeah, great. I'll do it. Then as she waited and waited, God took away her peace. And in the end, she just phoned them up or emailed them and said, I know you wanted me to run this conference for a thousand people, but... I'm not going to do it. Sorry. Bye. All right? (laughs) Maybe not as blunt. But do you know what happened? A few weeks later, the whole conference collapsed. Not because Karina didn't... Not because... (laughs) Not because Karina didn't do it, but basically there weren't enough attendees signing up, and they decided to cancel the conference. And Karina would have done six months' work for nothing. And God spared her. So I just wanted to share that said enough beloved but can we just um, sing Tim do you mind Alice we're going to just sing a song